Welcome to our show, To That Point, where we cover topics at the intersection of business and culture. I'm Montana Blair. I'm Jasmine Escher. Thanks to everyone who tuned into our first theme, the new college experience. We hope that hearing people's perspectives and experiences in grad school helped to inform some of your own decisions about pursuing a master's degree. For our next theme, we're taking a critical look at the fashion industry to try and answer the big question. What does innovation look like in fashion when you actually care about the people making and wearing the clothes? The fashion industry is experiencing a fundamental shift to a slower pace. Thank God. This shift started with the many exposés on the unjust working conditions and environmental impact of fast fashion, and COVID has slowed us down even further with production and consumer purchase implications. We've watched on the sidelines as retail giants like Neiman Marcus closed, fashion weeks around the world went virtual, and purchase behavior changed as the world got used to a new normal of dressing down and staying at home. The growing support for slow fashion suggests that consumers are starting to consider the consequences of their shopping habits. Consumers are increasingly demanding more transparency in the supply chain and are speaking with their dollars to show where and how they support social causes. Brands who traditionally didn't participate in social issues are now being looked to for leadership on social change. We reached out to prominent fashion houses to understand how they make an effort to mind more than the clothes they make. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hear from the designers themselves on how they founded their companies, discovered their purpose for designing, and use their platform to take a stance on socio-political issues. Before we launch the Designing with Purpose theme, Montana and I want to give you some insight into why we're interested in the topic. And now I want to talk about personally why we both picked this topic. So I think that fashion obviously is something that is kind of part of your everyday, right? You wake up and in some way you're participating in fashion. So First, what I want to hear from you, Monty, is what is your take on the fashion industry? What do you like the most about it? And where do you see room for improvement? You're exposing my nickname to everyone. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, it had to happen sometimes. I know. I was waiting. I was waiting for that. (laughs) So yeah, everyone, now you can officially refer to me as Monty. You're, You're in the club. But yeah, so fashion. I guess for me, I never really considered myself as someone who was into designer clothing um, or really put an emphasis on designers. But I think that's changed a bit more recently because I've started to find brands that I think speak to me and to my values and to the aesthetic that I am interested in. Uh, For example, I really love House of Sunny, Simonette, Selkie, Orson Iris is a little bit aspirational for me because of the price point, but I really love their designs. And I recently found a brand in New York called Petite Studio that sustainably produces designs for petite people like myself. Uh, If you don't know, I'm 5'1". But yeah, I I think any brands that let me into their process and help me feel like I am being brought along the way and can help even so far as to help make design decisions I think is really cool or if brands take you behind the scenes on their production methods I think that's something that makes me feel really connected to a brand I love when companies will post pictures of the factories that they make their clothes in so you can see that there's nothing sketchy going on I stopped buying fast fashion it's been about two years ago I made a pretty intense kind of promise to myself. And I've definitely broken it a couple of times when I've needed things and I couldn't really plan properly. But 
When I first started working, I was Miss Fast Fashion. Like, I don't know that I really knew any better. And in high school and college, I didn't have the money to invest in these sustainable, well made pieces because, as we know, it's a pretty big privilege to be able to buy sustainably right now because the production methods and materials aren't mainstream yet. But I think just as I've gotten a full-time job and can afford to invest in some pieces. And I've also really become a huge thrifter and a big fan of upcycling. I've been able to kind of shift away from fast fashion and just kind of appreciate everything that goes into a garment. And so, yeah, now I, I do think it's a little bit more fun to do research on designers and hear about their process and how they started a brand and why they did so. I love the research part of it. Like I love finding a really awesome brand that's ethical and sustainable and has stories of the people behind the clothes and all that stuff. And it is so hard to shop ethically. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed that you made the promise to yourself to actually go out and support these brands and do it consistently. I tried to make that same or like make that same charge for myself. And I basically just stopped shopping because <laughs> I would find something that I really, really liked. And I was like, $350, like maybe I'll wait on this one. So I think I've tried to approach fashion a bit more as the physical representation of who you are, like your personality, your beliefs, whatever statement you're trying to make. And the longevity of fashion and at the same time, the quick turnover of something being in one day and out the next, I really think that the key to it and the key to something being in, so to speak, is your confidence. So I'm usually interested in the person wearing the clothes. And I think that because what you wear and where you shop is such an avenue for expression, you should really try to understand those stories. So supply chain, for example, is something that I'm trying to get smarter on. And I think it's a mix of knowing who's making the clothes, but also how much effort it actually takes. And I think we've seen the curtain lift on some of these larger fast fashion companies, and it's not pretty what's behind the scenes. And you see brands like Nike and H&M who might be doing really cool stuff. Like Nike does a great job at having these very motivational campaigns and H&M has released these conscious fashion lines, but they still are making too much stuff. <laughs> like at the end of the day, they're in business because they make an excess amount of things and they're like burning unsold merchandise. I think another thing that I'm trying to better understand from the worker perspective is, you know, where are these predominantly women, 80% of garment workers are women, where are they and how are they treated? And the majority of them work in poverty. They have very low pay. They have to live in poor conditions. So I think it's trying to find brands who have a good approach to where they source their labor from. And then in terms of sustainability, I learned this recently. Fast fashion is only second to the oil industry and in its contribution to pollution. And there's a huge push in, in general in society at the moment towards the conversations around climate change and global warming and all this stuff, like how can we do better? And like, I went vegan for a big reason because of that, which was saying like, how can I try to reduce my carbon footprint on the planet? And it's important to notice that you can also do that through your clothes. So all of that's like a little bit doomsday, but <laughs> that being said, I do think we're moving in the right direction. And I think it's Cool to realize that brands that are pretty mainstream now, like Everlane and Patagonia and Allbirds, 
they're bringing the sustainable thinking to the forefront and they're helping to normalize the question and the practice of shopping ethically. So I think that's some good news. But at the end, you mentioned a little bit about how you are actually getting into fashion yourself. And I know we've texted back and forth with some of your really cool ideas on a fashion line you can eventually create. And you talked about this in our Get to Know Us episode too, but where does this passion for fashion and design come from? I always feel really silly talking about this because I'm not yet a fashion designer, but I think that is a path that could make sense for me. At one point in time, it's it's a big dream that I think I just need to admit to myself and give myself permission to to take it seriously. But I grew up as a massive theater kid. We know this. Uh, <laughs> that was a huge part of my identity. And because of that, I have designed a lot of costumes and watched my grandma make a lot of costumes throughout my life. So starting with plays when I was really young, and I did theater all through high school as well. But then in high school, I also added on dance teams. And I think just seeing A, the confidence that a costume gave me, but also B, the process and design decisions that go into a costume that make it durable and make it something that empowers you to do your job. I think those two things are really interesting to me. And I think there's a lot of applicability to workwear because as a traveling consultant for the past four years, I am just so disappointed in the options that are given to women for workwear. And they're not, you know, it's not fun to travel in an airplane, go to a client site, sit in boardrooms, go back to a hotel and live my life in clothes that aren't suited for performance. Like it really is. It's like a performance sport, but the clothes aren't treated that way. And the best styles that I can find come from like the J. Crews, a little bit of Zara. And a lot of the times women's wear is made out of polyester or just synthetic materials that don't perform very well. So all that being said, I think just growing up, it's always been a big part of my life. And I just never really thought about applying that to, I guess, quote unquote, the the real world or applying that to what my real life looks like now, which is as a working professional. So yeah, I don't know. I just think there's something there. And also just as someone who's studied product design and service design over the past four years, I think there's something fun about what could it look like if I took an ethnographic or a service design approach to designing a workwear line and actually designed it based on the jobs to be done of, you know, a, a garment, a work garment. So yeah, I don't know. I guess there's there's something there that either I'll explore someday or I hope someone else explores. Now I have a question for you. On the topic of sustainability, I'm curious what you look for in a clothing brand these days. And as you mentioned, you're vegan, which I applaud you for. I think I tried that for about six months in college and it was really difficult and I've never been vegan again. (laughs) But you probably have a bit more knowledge on the animal treatment side of the fashion industry. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts there? (laughs) Yeah, vegan definitely takes some getting used to. So at least you tried it. Something funny about the rise of vegan in fashion is that many people assume that just because you're shopping vegan clothes, that they're sustainable. But 
it's very similar to the food industry where like some of these meat alternatives are heavily, heavily processed and they're made in a way that appeal to a mass consumer. And just because it's a meat alternative does not mean it is also sustainable. So I think that that's something that you should really keep in mind is that these fabrics and textiles that might be vegan may not be biodegradable or the type of material in general can still have a negative impact on the environment. So that's a lot of learning that has to take place. Like even the word polyester sounds very intimidating. <laughs> like all of these strange words that are on the tags within our clothes, we usually ignore. Uh, and I think it's just getting used to understanding what they mean. But I think there there are a few questions you can ask yourself when you're considering a brand or when you're shopping. And it kind of goes off of the things that I was talking about earlier. So you can look and say, how do they treat their workers? You know, where are they sourcing their labor from? What's their impact on the planet? And what are they doing to reduce carbon emissions? A lot of brands are actually posting this directly on their website now. Like Boyish, for example, is a brand I was looking at the other day. And as you're shopping each single item of clothing, it tells you like how much water was used and like what the estimated carbon footprint is. So I think there's more visibility into it. Do they use animal products? So the most popular thing here is leather. There's actually some really interesting vegan alternatives like pineapple leather, um, (laughs) which sounds crazy, but I've seen it and it's legit. You can have like biofabricated clothes, which basically means like clothes made from some sort of organic matter like algae or fungi, which again, is not totally mainstream. The more mainstream version of this is like a bag made out of recycled bottles, but we're getting there. (laughs) Where is the company or their factories located? Shop local. There's been a huge push for this. And I think if you can support local, great. I think the other thing that happens when something is closely located to where you are is you're also reducing whatever emissions might have come from transporting the clothes. And I think another funny stat that I actually found when I was researching this is Dr. Martin's like docs, which is super popular. They released a vegan line, which is great. My sister bought a pair and loves them. And their profits actually got boosted 70% when they release this line. And it's like vegan leather made out of synthetic material. So again, there's still the ongoing discussion of whether or not these vegan leather products are more environmentally friendly. But I think it's still important that the option is there and that people are buying it. So I think when I look for a clothing brand, I'm basically looking for as much information as possible. (laughs) And if they're making the information available to me, I feel comfortable in my purchasing decision. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's really fascinating too about the many implications of what the word vegan really means because there's a lot of potentially negative unintended consequences that you could be, you know, causing harm to the environment in a different way. It's not through animal harm, but it could be through these chemically synthetic materials. But yeah, it's just an interesting thing to to look out for. And I know when I look into a new brand, I am usually really curious about the transparency in their manufacturing practices. Because for me, something else, like you mentioned, is the labor that goes into producing a garment. It's just really unreal. I know there's been a few documentaries that have come out in recent years. And I think 
in countries like the U.S., we have such a cognitive dissonance because we don't actually usually see the garments being produced to the point where we think it's totally normal and acceptable to have a store like Zara or, you know, whatever, fast fashion, where every day that you go into the store, there's a completely different lineup of clothes there. And it doesn't even register almost how bizarre that is. So, for example, there's a clothing line that this influencer, Xenia Adance, came out with recently called The Tire. And I loved following her because she documented every single step of the process from deciding how to get her designs produced and like finding a pattern maker and then sourcing her fabrics really purposefully. She went all over Portugal and went to different conferences about fabrics where she could meet the people who ran the mills and meet the people with the lambs for the wool. And she went in person and just documented the entire process. And then the same thing for the actual production. They used very niche production sites all across Europe. So they would have one place for blazers because this family's been tailoring blazers for the past 600 years in Italy or something. And one for pants and one for knitwear. And I just think it's really fascinating. And of course, right now that translates to a really high price tag. Honestly, I can't even afford the pieces. They're still a bit aspirational for me, but hopefully she's kind of setting the standard and making progress so that hopefully becomes a bit more normal in the next five, 10 years. Because once we hold everyone to that standard, the bigger brands will be forced to uphold that standard as well. And then these production processes won't be as expensive because you'll be able to put in larger purchase orders and they'll have economies of scale in that way. So I know I I really liked seeing that. And I think another person to follow is Grace Fit, or I think her Instagram might be Grace Beverly now. She's a UK influencer that started a an activewear line a couple years ago. She used to be more of a, a fitness Instagrammer, and then now she's kind of switched to, I guess, an entrepreneurial influencer in a way. She talks a lot about how she built her different businesses, and she's vegan, and she's really into reducing textile waste and using recycled materials. So anything like that, I feel really, really bought into the brands and I feel like I can fully support it. I think it's such a great point to make that the reason we haven't just totally all moved over to this new way of creating and consuming clothing is because we haven't reached that critical mass. And the awesome thing to see now is like mainstream brands are catching on to this sustainability trend these influencers are, are trying to create change. So I think it's really, really exciting to say me as a normal consumer has never had access to this sort of information. Or if I did, it was few and far between the brands that were willing to own up to it. And I think now that there's this new standard of accountability, we're going to see some really, really interesting changes in fashion. And I actually think that one other thing that goes along with that is the way that we talk about purpose and purpose can be tied specifically to sustainability purpose can be tied to society and some of the things that we are both hoping to learn through these series of interviews is like as a brand how do you gain the confidence to stand on your own two feet and say this isn't the most popular way of doing things but we're going to do it anyways And some of the folks that we have lined up for you guys do a really good job of explaining not just how they find their purpose for designing, but how they feel that they have the right 
to continue sharing that purpose with people. So I think it'll be very, very interesting to just hear their take and their experience in the fashion industry because they are doing things a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. And I think everyone that we have lined up, they are the people who are paving the way for other entrepreneurs and for consumers to expect a lot more out of brands. And it's just really exciting to get to talk to them at the stage of the businesses that they're in, because I'm sure they're going to only continue to explode and get bigger. So yeah, I'm really excited for everyone to hear, you know, spoiler alert, we've already recorded a few of the interviews and they're really good. (laughs) And I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited for everyone to hear them. And like you said, too, I think there's this, this whole other aspect around fashion and design that's tied to community and that aspect of purpose and just the the wider call to action for everyone, if you're an individual or a brand, to use your voice and take a stance on what's right and just in the world. And there's people doing some really cool stuff. And like you said, I think it'll have a trickle up effect, I guess, if you could call it that, a trickle up effect to some of these larger brands that maybe haven't taken a stance yet or haven't held themselves up to the highest tier of sustainability, I think I think they'll be forced to do so. And I think it's going to be because of these smaller brands. Yeah, I totally agree. Thanks for tuning in. To That Point is created and produced by us, Montana and Jasmine. Big thanks to Levi Berry for the audio engineering and editing. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, and follow along on Instagram at To That Point. See you soon.